story that relates to me in there in that season and time of of not really knowing where God is, and it's it's especially um, similar in the, in the sense that I suppose that you know that I've I've been there. I have I have gone through seasons where I where I feel like God's there and I feel like God's not. And to be honest, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter if I, what I feel that the truth is that He is there. Um, so if it's all right, I'd like to start. We'll go with we jump to Mark 16. Thanks, guys, if it's up there. Um, <clears throat> so when Jesus rose early, oops, there's the ending. My bad. I gave that, I gave that ending away straight away. There it is. <clears throat> when Jesus rose early on the first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, out of whom he had driven seven demons. She went and told those who had been with him and who were mourning and weeping. When they had heard that Jesus was alive um, and that she had seen him, they did not believe it. Afterward, Jesus appeared a different, in different form to two of them while they were walking in the country. These returned and reported, reported it to the rest, but, but they did not believe them either. Later, Jesus appeared to the eleven <clears throat> as they were eating. He rebuked them for their lack of faith and their stubborn refusal to believe those who had seen him after he had risen. Um, it's an interesting few verses that I've got up this morning as to like why why pick these verses um and that's thanks john we've um we've just finished in young adults uh going through the book of mark um we just finished it last week i think it was that we got up to 16 and we read we read these verses um and i think mark mark over over the last few weeks has kind of become one of my favorite of the four gospels i suppose because of just because of the things that it highlights and also because of the things that it doesn't if you, notice, if you notice in the book of Mark, there's a repeated theme that Jesus actually speaks on, and that's he predicts his death on a constant basis. If you go through in the Gospel of Mark, which is where I'll be sharing probably from the most this morning, is that Jesus doesn't hide the fact that he's going to die and he's going to, raise again, he's going to be risen again. He doesn't hide it from them. He speaks very metaphorically and symbolically throughout his entire life through parables and, and the like. But when it comes to speaking with the disciples, he doesn't hold back. He makes it quite clear, I'm going to die and raise again, rise again. He doesn't hold back on them, on them at all. <clears throat> and a lot of other Gospels, it talks about when he comes back to life that they do forget and they do, um, that they, you know, it was like it was, they remembered that Jesus had said all this stuff. But in the book of Mark, it doesn't actually highlight to them, or it doesn't actually highlight the fact that they'd forgotten. It says that they were faithless. It says that season where Jesus, well, in other words, all these people had actually come up to Jesus, said he's risen and he's risen on a number of occasions, and they didn't believe those people that said it. <clears throat> well, there's a, there's a number of different heart or positions of heart, I believe, that it takes to, to hear a story like that and not believe it. And I think it goes far beyond just forgetting the fact that Jesus said all this stuff. I believe it's a, it's a, it's a pride position. It says that Jesus cast out seven demons from this lady Mary, and she was the one that saw Jesus. Or she was the one that had to actually that, that, that share that with the disciples. Had it been... Had it been one of the one of the twelve or other of them, they may have believed that. But how many of you know that it takes? It, you've got to be in a humble position to listen to a story from somebody like that. Such great news! It takes quite a humble heart. So that's one of the positions in their heart that's that's really struggling right there, is to actually hear it. Not only that that news is so big, but also that it comes from such a person as Mary, who'd had seven demons driven from her. I've heard people say that she was a prostitute and all this different kind of stuff. But that's, that's one position. The second position is that they had to have been in a place that was actually so far from 
their identity and the truth that they knew about Jesus to actually have heard this news and just to let it slide by like it meant nothing. Jesus didn't rebuke them for not remembering. He rebuked them for being faithless. So they had to be in a season of going, we don't know what's up. You can imagine sitting around the table after Jesus has died and only one of them hung around. The rest are just scattered. And that being around that table gathered is the eleven and discussing about what's, what's just happened and what all this means. You know, Peter probably struggling to even mention what took place because he, as we know, denied Jesus three times, had a hard time probably mentioning what happened on that day. You can imagine, like, him having the reputation that he did. Everyone referred to, referring to him as Peter the Rock, Peter the Leader. And, and in other Gospels, when, when, the, when the women hear from Jesus that, that he's risen, they, they, she, he actually says to them, go tell Peter and the disciples, as though Peter was a leader at that time, right? So Peter around the table, not probably having a hard time mentioning what just took place. <clears throat> John probably asking them, where the heck were you guys? I was there under the cross watching this whole thing take place. Where were you? And the rest of them feeling so like shamed and beaten and just totally ridiculed because they'd spent the best three years of their life all to come to an end and wondering what's going to happen next and not knowing it's a hard season, and it's not, something, it's not something that's unusual, especially when these guys aren't actually born again. This is actually a time before Pentecost, right? So they don't actually know what's coming yet. But this is, a time, this is actually a hard season for them of three days. They can't handle three days' worth after three years of Jesus talking to them, and it's a hard thing to do. And the reason that I wanted to <coughs> share on this part is because it does speak to me in a sense. <coughs> is that I have gone through a time in my life or a period in my life where <clears throat> things try to get in my head to take away the peace that I have with God. Because how many of us know that the, the cross is the center of our peace? It's like the center and the, it's the bridge in between where we were and where we are. It's, it's, the, it's the thing that leaves us or brings us closer to God. And so if the cross is at the center, if I were the enemy, I would take peace. I would take the peace that I have with God out of the equation in order, for me, in order for me to not work with God and to not know that I'm right standing with Him. So my identity is in the cross, and that's the cross that allows me peace. If you read Proverbs, one of the things that Proverbs is constantly pressing in on is seeking understanding. Go get understanding. Understanding is like gold. Wisdom is gold. Go get it. <clears throat> and it's ironic to me that God gives us peace that goes far beyond understanding. Isn't that strange that, that the same book would tell us to go get understanding and yet God gives us a peace that's far beyond it even further? And I believe that's because, I believe that is because there is a different kind. There's the kind that you see in that simple-minded person who does not need the answers in life and yet has such a satisfaction in Christ as opposed to the understanding that an intellect has and needs to ask more questions and struggles just to get into the next stage of faith because they don't, they need more answers. I've been in, I've been in, I've stepped in and out of those stages and I can't wait until the day when I look back and go, man, I'm so glad I'm just done with my intellect and I'm alive in faith. That doesn't mean I just let go of my brain, but it just, it just means that like my, the peace that I have far exceeds the understanding that I have. It's, it's, such, it's such a blessing. That's what the cross does to us. <clears throat> but if I were the enemy, that would be the thing that I go after, would be the peace. Because it's such a game changer to have peace with God. It's the, thing that allows, it's the thing that wakes us up every morning. It's the thing that comes up against bad dreams. You know, like I, had a, I, had, I have like awful dreams sometimes, some of them that just seem so demonic, 
some of them that really hunt down my identity and, and my peace. And then I, <clears throat> in order to stay in that place, I've got to go back to the Word. For example, if, if I'm constantly having to press in or if, if, if my dreams are constantly attacking at the peace that I have with God, I open up to Romans 5 and it says that I have peace with God. Like, what does it matter what dream I had last night? And it does not the game changer. The dreams that attack me mean nothing when the Word says that I have peace with God. None of, nothing else matters. If, if Romans 8 says that there is no condemnation for those that are in Christ, then what difference does it make how I feel right now? It really changes nothing. The cross is at the center. I've gone through seasons where it's like, and it, it, in, to be specific about how, it, how the enemy does it, he'll use the likes of different theologians and different influential people, in, maybe in my life or in other people's lives, that, that touch my life. And I'm, I'm the kind of person that wants to listen to if, it, if you're an elder or if you're a person of any influence or you've, you feel like God's got a word on your heart and I'm hearing it, I'm, gonna, I'm very, very likely and very, or I'm, I'm, I'm wanting constantly to hear what God has told you. And if you say it to me and that it's for me, I'm, gonna, I'm more than likely going to believe it. That's, that, that could be, make me seem naive at times, but other times I'm glad because it allows me to soak things up. But if somebody, if somebody is in right or means well, has the ability to send me the other direction, then I'm just going to go. Because I have, I have a respect for people that say that they've heard from God. I want to listen to it. But if it come, what I've got to remember is that if it comes up against the Word of God, it doesn't matter what direction it goes. I've got to, I don't listen to it. So for me, it's easy to listen to a different, maybe another ministry <coughs> or another, just someone else of influence, just to listen to that and go, oh, well, maybe I've got to rethink this. Maybe I'm reading this word wrong or, or maybe this person that I've listened to for so many years actually has no idea what they're talking about. I mean, listening, I should be listening to this person. In the middle of all of it, I'm just going, where's Jesus? Like, where is Jesus? As though like he's just died on the cross and I've got to sit here and go like, I don't know which way to go. Peter's going, do we go back and fish? Everyone else is going, do we just sit here and wait for something? And, and maybe John's going, no, we need, to go and, we need to go and press in and actually do what we've been doing for the last three years. And I'm the kind that's going to sit there and just take a, a step back and go, I have no clue what to do next. I've got none. Like, my prayer is, God, take me somewhere else. Just put me in a different place where I can hear your voice and know what you're actually saying because I get so confused. That's, that's my issue is that I'm very easily confused by different people of influence and so like in that period of time I tried to get in front of God and say like God what are you saying to me in this moment but in the middle of that <clears throat> I don't know if I can do that because the people that I'm listening to are saying you need to do this this and this before you can step before God and so I'm like great I don't even know if I'm allowed to ask God about my issues this doesn't make any sense and so like when I hear it incorrectly that's the problem is that I'm trying to, I'm supposed to go to God for the questions, but someone would tell me, you've got to fix yourself up before you can ask the questions. Does that sound outrageous? And yet the people that did that probably didn't even mean it to sound that way, and yet that's how I'd take it if I wasn't pressing it up against the Word. And so it's such an easy place to be in, in that sense, is that you can, you can so easily, you can so easily just lose whatever is being, whatever is in your mind, whatever God has placed in there. It's, 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 losing that renewed mind that God gives us when we get born again. <clears throat> we go to Romans 5, please. 
Okay, so therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand, and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also rejoice in our sufferings, because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character hope. And hope does not disappoint us, because God has poured out His love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom He has given us. You see, just at the right time when we were still powerless, God died for the ungodly. So, isn't it amazing that like God allows us to go through a season of not knowing where he is. Isn't it fascinating that he sits that he that he'll he'll actually be silent at times in order for us to press in. And there's seasons where I've gone through where I'm like it's so confusing where I'm going I've gone God I'm so just like pleased and 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 at peace right now with how good you are that I want to jump back into the the character building stuff, the trials and the tribulations, the stuff that like builds my faith and then when I'm there, you know what it's like when you get there, you want to get out real quick because you feel like you're going to die there and then as soon as I don't know about you but when I get back in here again I just want to jump back in there again and have a second try like I want to go for at least four or five rounds in the boxing ring I don't want to just jump in and then jump back out again that's like I don't know and it may not be healthy at times but all I know is that what's what's supposed to remain the same is the peace that I have with God in this time right here that way the trial and the tribulation doesn't actually matter what it looks like. It doesn't matter if it's up against my mind, my flesh, or whatever situation, my emotions. If, if my renewed mind stays the same and I still have peace with God up here, then I can stay there my whole life. I'm supposed to, I'm supposed to actually like go rounds up against the enemy and not, and not question my own peace with God. That's what the cross does. That's what it does is it allows us to move on. It allows us to actually remember again and again and again that it's got little to do with what I've done and it's got so much to do with how we were already bought, bought back. Can we, jump, can we jump now to Romans 8? <clears throat> it says, For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Is that not the most freeing couple of verses you've ever read? That whole chapter will destroy you. It will absolutely wreck you if you stay there for an hour. I remember just being like so overwhelmed by Romans 8 at one stage in my life where I just didn't want to read anywhere else. But what's interesting to me is that is that like it says, it says, I'm convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither present nor, nor future, any powers, <clears throat> height or depth, anything in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus. <clears throat> What's interesting is that what didn't make that list out of that amazing list of things that seemed to be just like so, so strong and powerful, what didn't make that list was your past. So your present and your future are on the list, right? Everything out there, everything out there, Paul is saying, I'm convinced that none of this is going to hold me down. But what's interesting is that the past isn't on that list. So what does that mean, that the past, the past is able to bring us down? No, what it means is that the past isn't on that list. Is be, the reason for that being is because you don't own it anymore. It's been bought. 
So the past didn't make that list because it's not yours to even claim. He bought it back. That's what the crosses are all about. Your past is so far gone that it's not even on that list at all. It doesn't make the cut. It's not even in your hands. You don't get to look at it. It's gone. Literally everything up there on that list of things is there for you to conquer and press in on. The, the past is not for, your, not for you to touch. Jesus bought it back. That's the victory of the cross. You know, when, you, know, you know how central your identity is when it comes to your walk with God, that you've got things ahead of your life that need, that need, to, be, that need to be done by you. And it's so important that you understand or that we understand the meaning of the cross. So in other words, the price that was paid. You know how in our culture, when we give someone a gift, like it's Christmas, you take the price tag off it and then you hand it over to them. And, you know, and if it's a good present, we love it and all that kind of stuff. But isn't it fascinating that we take the price tag off? Do you know that God didn't take the price tag off when he handed us the gift? He wanted you to know full well how much it cost. Like... He wanted you to know full well what the cross did. In order, so when you open that gift, you go, holy cow, like, it cost you that much? You bought it, and, and in our culture, we go, no, 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 I don't want it. If it costs you that much, you, like, you shouldn't have. You know that jargon that we do where we say you shouldn't have? Or, you know, like, this is too much, take it back. When really, what we're supposed to do is go, oh my goodness, like, be brought to our knees and be thanking God for that position. You know, we don't accept... We, we don't need to accept the cross the same way that we accept our Christmas gifts. That big, that big, like, no, you shouldn't have given me this gift. I didn't deserve this gift, all that kind of stuff. It's so true that we didn't deserve the gift. But we don't need to, we don't need to like, constantly remind ourselves of, like, of like how, like, on a constant basis, just, like, how wrong it is that we have it. Once you've got it, God's not taking it back. If he's put that price tag on there, it's because he wants you to know full well that you don't deserve it, but it's also that he wants you to wear it. If he buys you a jacket, you put the jacket on. You don't hang it up in the closet. If it's a good jacket, which it is, you will wear it every day. So I believe, and here's the thing with, with me, <clears throat> I have, I, I've, I'm still learning and growing as to what my calling looks like. It's still very new to me, and I still feel like a small child at times when it comes to learning as to what God has for me and, and what he's trying to teach me sometimes, where he wants to take me. And um, evangelism plays a big role in that. I feel like at times I have an itch, like a mosquito bite, that doesn't itch when I'm sharing the gospel. It's like, it's like I've got like this craving that, I, that doesn't take place when I'm sharing the gospel, Some, like some people, it's different. I understand that. Um, some people are very intimidated by evangelism, and I am too. But that doesn't excuse me. That doesn't excuse me from giving it a shot. And like this is this is this is a topic for another day. But the point is that that's a calling that I have. I feel like I have on my life is to press in on that. But one reoccurring theme that happens is that what I want to do in God does not work and does not happen when I don't know who I am when I forget about the price that was paid for me, if I'm having to deal with my own, conscious, my own consciousness like of what I've done wrong in the past, then I'm unable to walk it out. It's like going into battle with, without a clean conscience. Do you understand that if you press into a battle, your enemy is not the, the person on the other end of that trench. Your enemy is inside you. And if you are dealing with an enemy inside you, you don't even stand a chance 
against who's on the other end of that trench. That's why the Israelites failed in any battle that they failed in was because of what was going on on the inside first. Every time they were clean with God and they had clean conscience, they won that battle. It's the same with us. God cleanses us from the inside so that we have that clean slate to press in on what we're called to do. It's, the, it's one, of the, one of the most interesting, I think, metaphors God's ever given me when it comes to the grace of God is, and this is, this is very honest and open, you're going to laugh at this, but when I was about 12, I was a skinny kid at 12, like I am now, <laughs> except now, I'm, now, now you just flip the numbers, I'm still, I'm still skinny, but like... <clears throat> I like, I remember, I can't believe I'm sharing this. I, at 12 years old, I remember looking in the mirror and flexing my bicep and thinking like, well, before, before flexing, thinking, yeah, I really am skinny. And then I, flick, I flexed my bicep in front of the mirror and I go, that's actually got a muscle there. <laughs> like that actually moved a bit. And I'm going like, now, at 12 years old, I didn't do anything about it, but at 14 or 15 or 16, when you see something that gets you, like, sparks that interest, you go, like, I want to work out. Like, if, if there's nothing moved there, I'd, I wouldn't want to do anything about it. But the fact that, like, I was kind of, like, excited by that pathetic movement that went on in my arm, I was, I wanted to go, like, exercise it more. It's like if you, if you were overweight and you jumped on the scales and you notice you were 10 kilos lighter, you'd be more inspired to go work out then than you would if you were the same weight as you were yesterday. Do you understand that that's how the grace of God works? It puts you up on that first step that allows you to go, see, I'm already moving you. You didn't ask to be here. You didn't deserve to get this step up, but I put it there for you. And that's your motivation to go and do what God's called you to do. It's the same for me with evangelism. When he says that I have a clean slate, I want to go tell someone else about it. Like, it was only last, I think it was last week when I had, um, what was it? I had on my heart that I've got to go share with some people today, just on an off day at work. I'm just down the street. I can't remember what I'm buying for. But I'm like sitting in my car and this is something, this is something for me. It's like the car for me, my car is like the place where I meet with God. When we have a secret place, my secret place is mobile. I take it. I take it wherever. I drive a Subaru Outback, but I call it. I call it the Subaru Outreach, right? So like, when I'm when I know I'm right with God, it's it's easy for me to do that outreach. <clears throat> but I had to sit. There's times where I have to sit in my car before because I have the thought of you know you can share today. You can you can actually share the gospel today with people around you. And my first initial thought is. Oh, you serious? This is going to be so exhausting. And it doesn't come in a thought in the, in the, in the words as such. It's just, in a, it's just a sweeping emotion like it's a spirit that comes over you that says it's going to be too hard. I don't hear words of no thank you or I don't want to because I know the right words are yes God, I'll do it. That's the right words. But that's not always the emotions that come. So when I'm in my car and I'm like I'm, and, and God says like you're going to share today, the words... The words don't come to me straight away is that, yes, I want to do it. I'm in and I'm excited for it. In order for that to come, I've actually got to remind myself not of how this works, how to evangelize and the one, two, and three steps of how to do it. I've actually got to remind myself is 
where I stand with God. I've got to jump back into Romans 5 and know that I have peace with God. I've got to go back into the Romans 8 and know that there is no condemnation for those that are in Christ. And the more that I sit on those scriptures, the easier it is for me to go, all right, I'm clean. It doesn't matter what anybody says. It doesn't matter what anybody thinks. It doesn't matter what my emotions tell me. It doesn't matter what spirit's coming over me because the Bible says that I'm clean. Like you can't take the cross away from me. So on that moment right there, I could, have, I could go out and see the least amount of fruit in what, what we call fruit in evangelism and, and, still, and still go through thinking this was the best day ever. I remember on that day, like literally just like crossing the street and there's this guy, we're both crossing the street. And it's sometimes you wonder if like people are just like waiting for you to tell them the gospel because he was smiling from the moment I met him right up until when I shared with him and he'd never heard it before. So like we're just like crossing the street. I'm like, hey man, have you got like pain in your shoulder? And he's looking at me like, yay, he asked me something. And I said, he said, yeah, I've got terrible pain in my shoulder. And for some reason he was just smiling all over like he'd been waiting for me to say that exact thing. And then, and then I said, no way, man, which one? He goes, this one. And I'm like, what's your name, man? I get to know him, all that kind of stuff. I pray with him. And I know that this sounds strange for a lot of people, but instantly his shoulder pain left. He, like he didn't, he didn't even have to, he didn't even question it. And this guy you could say was just simple-minded and that he was just like open and honest and about all this stuff, probably a little too much. But this guy didn't need an understanding. He didn't sit there and question me as to like, well, how, how does this happen? Why does this work? What's your job? What do you do about this? Like, is this something that I need to apply for? You know, what are you, how are you qualified in this? All the, he didn't ask any of those questions. He was just like overwhelmed, the fact that he couldn't find any pain in his shoulder. <clears throat> I wouldn't have been able to do that if it wasn't for what the cross does. If I had nothing, if I had nothing to turn back to when I'm sitting in my car, if I had nothing to turn back to and, and remind myself of, what would I have done that day? Nothing. I would have bought stuff and then went home. That would be a rough day if I just went into town, bought some stuff, and went home. Because for, for, for me, and hopefully the conviction is for lots of people, is that we don't go into town to buy stuff. We, we go into town for people. And if we need to get some stuff on the way, then that's great. But, like, that's, that's my perspective when I'm reminded of the goodness of God, when I'm reminded of what the price was at the cross. My, the price paid for me determines my value. If I don't know my value, I don't understand how I'm going to do anything in God, with God. None of it makes any sense. It would be like asking a goldfish to climb a ladder if I didn't, if I didn't know who I was. It would be impossible. <clears throat> We've got our elements still. Cool. Um, I'm just going to pray and then we're going to eat and drink. But I want, us, I want us to, I don't know, maybe, maybe just over this Easter season and maybe for the rest of your life, whatever seems fit, I want to invite us to, first of all, know about what the cross does, the meaning of it, how it actually affects us, not just in how we work, but how we see ourselves. To know how God sees us comes far ahead of how we see ourselves. So I could tell myself how amazing I am all day, like I'm in some motivational class, when really I just need to listen to one thought of God, and that'll motivate me for months. 
people have to meditate every, like night and day to remind themselves that they're they're cool and they're okay, like in a like in a class. When really we've just got to open up or flick the pages maybe once or twice to to understand or fathom just how much God is crazy about us. That'll motivate us for far longer. So that's my invitation for us this week and from here on, is that when we look at the cross, that it's not it's more than just a time of knowing what we did wrong, as far as it is that, is definitely an understanding of what we've done wrong. But it also needs to be a time of understanding the price that was paid for us, to understand the reason why we call it Good Friday. So Father, I just thank you so much for your peace, the peace that goes beyond understanding, Father. Everything that you do that takes us to next levels, from glory to glory, the peace that we carry with you, Father, the fact that we don't have any condemnation when we are in you and when we, when we are in faith with you, Father. I thank you that you clean us and renew us every day and not just our purity, Father, but our minds that remind us of what we have and what we've let go of. Father, I thank you for all the principalities and powers and the present and the future, things that aren't going to separate us, God, but I also thank you for the past that is so far gone that it's beyond even our comprehension, Father. So I just thank you for all this in Jesus' name. Amen. I um. I like sharing this message. I don't really have many other kinds of messages to share, to be honest. Um, but I try to make this one central in my life, and hopefully, hopefully you'll do the same. But, yeah. I'm just going to welcome the band up, I suppose. We've got, we got five minutes. Coxie, you want to go? Thank you. Praise God. <laughs> Imagine the... the, the f-